Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In order to be able to help others make connections with music, you have to be able to really delve into the work yourself. Music can be kind of a gateway to communication. You have to be able to understand what the music can do for you. If you find that one song, that one interest with someone, that opens up a dialogue. I would be surprised to meet someone who didn't have an emotional connection to music. It's my happy place. It really is just that one thing that's solely mine. I'm glad that I have music to rely on. Music just helps everyone and welcome to on rotation the podcast that's always on replay but never on repeat thanks for tuning in my name is david and i'll be your host and lovely guide the title track of today's episode is passion fruit by drake off of his 2017 album more life which also features his hit fake love I'm sure we all remember screaming that one at the top of our lungs at parties talking about the people that just don't show us any love But if there's someone who doesn't know fake love, or any kind of fakeness, I should say, it's Rebecca Gilday. The music therapist has worked with a number of patients suffering from a wide variety of mental health issues. Gilday has a signature goal of empowering her patients by tearing down their inhibitions and building up their strengths. Take a listen to what she had to say. So if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself and talk a little bit about your work. Sure. I'm Rebecca Gilday. I am a board-certified music therapist. I currently work for a private practice in New Hampshire. Um, And through that private practice, I work with a lot of different individuals and groups, but the primary um, or majority of my caseload happens in an adult mental health setting. So that's inpatient behavioral health, outpatient eating disorders, clinics, and substance use community centers and uh, programs. And where did you go for your education? Well, I have a few different places that are on my transcript. My music therapy education was completed um, at App State University in North Carolina. Yeah, and then you have your master's, correct? No, I am actually, I just applied for a master's uh, program coming up in the fall. Oh, cool. At where? Uh, That's going to be through Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania. Nice. Where are you originally from? Are you from the Boston area or are you from New Hampshire? No, I grew up in Pennsylvania and I've lived in a lot of places. (laughs) Nice. Has that been kind of tough for the field? Like being a music therapist, obviously, with any type of therapy, it requires a lot of like outpatient care, like you said. Has like changing locations kind of made it tough to find work or does it kind of just fall into place? 
like any job, it really depends on your priorities. So there are a lot of different jobs out there. And depending on what your priorities are, you can find a job in lots of different locations. So it really matters, um, like, are you willing to move where a full-time or like ideal kind of position is? Or are you willing to take like any job available in the location that you prefer to be? So yeah, it just depends on what your priorities are and what and what you're looking for. Gotcha. And what were, uh, you mentioned a few specific locations that you've worked in. What were some common like practices or common patients that you worked with or have worked with? So in the mental health setting, you see people experiencing lots of different experiences. And in the mental health field, a lot of people rely heavily on diagnoses. Sometimes that's helpful for some people, and other times those diagnoses can feel limiting or prescriptive when you know one's person one person's experience is not like every other person who has that diagnosis. And so some of the people who I've worked with have had diagnoses like bipolar or schizophrenia or depression or anxiety or comorbidity with things like eating disorders. And that word means existing at the same time. So having an eating disorder as well as anxiety or as, as well as depression. And music therapy in those settings looks different depending on who you are and what your theoretical perspective is and what your theoretical approach is. Um, so just like in other mental health settings, you have counselors and therapists and psychologists who might come from a dialectical behavioral therapy approach, or they might come from a psychodynamic approach. Music therapists usually align in one of those kinds of camps as well. Some people are eclectic and kind of borrow from a few different uh, approaches. Personally, my approach is a feminist and queer-centered approach, but I am informed through, I also have studied DBT and psychotherapy as well. And so what that means is I, I am focused on that individual client discovering what their definition of wellness is, what their definition of a good life for themselves looks like, and then working together to develop that. And so if that is something like, like one of the chronic pieces that I see in almost everyone I see is low self-esteem and low self-worth. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for why that happens. But from a a feminist and, and queer-centered approach, we know that we don't exist in a bubble. Like my experience does not just happen because of my biology or because of why I kind of said th that thing about, about diagnoses, how they can be limiting. It's because when you're diagnosed, you, you can sometimes feel like everything that feels wrong with you or feels like a problem, it has everything to do with your brain. And that if we could just make the brain function, then you would be fine. And my challenge to that type of thinking or that approach is that even people who don't have those diagnoses also feel unsettled. They also have struggles, they also have challenges. And that's because the system that we live in, our family systems, our community systems, our social system has has white supremacy, has system systematic oppression for all of these people that make us feel less than, that make us feel like we're not functioning in a way that we're supposed to be. And so 
in my approach, we're looking at not only how how can I rebuild my sense of self, how can I how can I identify what in my personal narrative is helping me or hindering me? And then what are the challenges that I face in my life, in my systems? What kind of stress is my job putting on me? What kind of stress is my community putting on me? Um, what kind of stress is my, is my society enacting on me? Um, and how can I start to manage that? How can I start to dismantle some of those systems if that's in my power? Um, or how can I start to build the systems of support that I need that are going to align with my sense of wellness, my values, and and where I stand in the world? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious because you mentioned it um, with your approach. What could you expand a little bit more on any work you might have specifically with the LGBTQ community? Sure, like working with LGBTQ identified people. Yeah. Sure. So. My approach with LGBTQ folks is no different than my approach with straight cis identified folks. And that is valuing and validating our experiences for who we are and how we identify, whether that feels like it has a word for it or whether it feels like it doesn't have a word for it. And so empowering those people to find that sense of identity if they if they haven't already or if they already know what their sense of identity is empowering them to live the life that they want to live um, and be able to build relationships healthy relationships with the people that they want to and create and sustain boundaries that continue to value and validate themselves because one of the well there's a ton of challenges for lgbtq folks but a lot of them have to do with relationships that are harmful or experiences um, with different people that have been harmful. Um, and so we learn poor boundary setting. We, we learn these patterns of relationships that continue to be harmful for us. And so it kind of, we build on this patterning, but also that patterning tells us what we feel like we're worth and what we feel like we deserve. And so really breaking that down and recognizing that I get to define what I'm worth, not my past experiences, not external people, not external validation. Who I am with does not define who I am. Wow, that's really well said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I asked that because it seems like a very interesting branch of music therapy that even I hadn't thought about before. So mm. yeah, I appreciate all that. That was really well said. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, how about, obviously, I think, I think everyone's kind of aware of this too. Have you seen the Black Lives Matter kind of impact the music therapy world right now and how music therapists have kind of reacted to it? Yes. So music therapy is a diverse field and we have not diverse racially or economically or gendered, diverse in perspectives and experience. And there are some folks who are very aware of white privilege, of the the systems that we live in. And there is a large community that is completely ignorant of that and can sometimes even willfully reject personal growth, personal awareness, 
which is extremely frustrating to me personally, because I think if you are going to be a therapist of any kind, that you need a certain set of values that speak to reflexivity in your own practice, but also have a sense for for social justice, have a drive to change the systems that we work in. But I think one of the big problems with music therapy is that we are kind of, we are a branch out of psychology and the medical field, both of which are extremely hegemonic and, and patriarchal. And because we have come out of that practice, we feel like, I'm saying a big, like the royal we. It feels like what I've experienced and what I have noticed about the field is that they keep trying to seek validation through a system that is perpetrating racism, that is perpetrating oppression. And so you can't ask for that to be the thing, like you don't want to go against the thing that you're trying to get to validate you. Mm-hmm. Because if you took that apart, then you wouldn't receive that validation. Um, which I think is the, the like existential issue with the music therapy community. The person to person issue with, with the music therapy community is that we are majority female, cis identified, and we are majority white. And we are definitely majority middle to upper class um, women because we've all had the experience of going to college um, and working through that. So it's a really, I think, I think people are coming around to examining these issues, but I would not say at the whole, on the whole, like we are the best association doing the most, certainly not. Mm -hmm. Obviously with everything that's going on, like it's dialogues are being started and things have brought, or people are starting to bring more attention to these issues, but it's always the question of will it continue, you know? And and like what you said too, the systematic orders that are already in place that have been in place for so long, those are the things that need to be reestablished in order for there to be like any like effective change, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Something else that I wanted to ask you about, and we kind of touched upon it, is just what has been your current situation working through COVID and, you know, working as a music therapist remotely? So I'm working for a private practice. So my personal caseload through that, um, we contract with a lot of different facilities. And so that's how I was in the behavioral health hospitals. And so because we're contractors, we have been put on pause for all those facilities. So about 80% of my caseload is not happening right now. And I think that that's, I'm, I'm sure a lot of other music therapists are experiencing that too. And I'm on board with that. Like, I think that's safe, best practices, whatever is not essential shouldn't be in person. And so I have a handful of individual clients that I also work with that I have been working through telehealth, which is essentially what we're doing now, but um, on a HIPAA compliant platform. And so I'll be making music with that person and we'll be engaging through this kind of format. And that has, that has been surprisingly good. It has its own unique set of challenges. You have sometimes a funky delay, sometimes like computers freeze or, or do that kind of thing. But it's also opened up this huge opportunity because a lot of um, 
almost all of my individual clients are immunocompromised in some way. And so they are much more susceptible to a lot of things. And so this offers a way for us to have consistency, not just now, but also in the future, should one of us feel a little sick or feeling like we can't get to the center together, then we can do something that's online in a way that still like maintains our work together in a way that that's effective. Mm -hmm. And you kind of touched upon it too. How has technology kind of helped you out during this time? Technology has been great. Learning technology has not been great. (laughs) It's not my forte and probably not a lot of, well, who knows, but it's not my forte, but it has been like doing some research, like putting some time into it. There's so, there are so many options out there and there's so many platforms and programs that honestly, I should have been learning about a lot sooner. <laughs> Sorry, but, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Just one overarching question I kind of want to ask too is, do you have your own personal connections to music and seeing like how music has healed you personally or other people you know personally? Mm, yeah, I mean... I think I would be surprised to meet someone who didn't have an emotional connection to music. Music is one of the, like music, art, and dance are all these modalities that we communicate our emotions through. Those are the things that culturally we've all clung to in this way that says, I can't talk it out. I need to make something. And I think that's something that's so beautiful about us that we don't you know, talking is such a cognitive process. I I rationalize with my brain. I think through processes with my brain. I, I order and systematize things. And feelings are anything but systematic. Feelings are impulsive and reactionary and they they flow. And so kind of talking about those feelings takes away from the effect of them. And so music for for me has been the, like a place of deep emotional experience, but it's also been a place of such community experience and feeling the most connected to people when I have played music with them Um, and not in a performance way, um, in a way that was just feeling connected, kind of like this sounds so cheesy, at like a soul level you feel connected to something that feels much more more deeply and I think that's because of the emotional aspect of of music and so I've used I've used music to not only connect to people who I love and just who are a part of my community but I've also used songwriting to process my own emotional experiences like I had a, a person who died who was really really close to me and I sang in my car and just made like I just made up songs through my whole grieving process and I have this I have like voice recordings of like just two years worth of emotional experiences at at all kinds of levels and at at all kinds of times and I think that you know that music isn't for anybody else it's it's just for me but it's almost like having because I recorded it, it's like having this journal that I can listen to and I know exactly where that spot in my heart is. And I think that that's something a lot of people share. If it's not something they created themselves, it's that song that represents that breakup 
that destroyed you or that song that was like the highest moment of your life, that elation, it's almost like a journal for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely relate to that 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Music is literally like like the soundtrack of your life. That's what I always call it, you know? Like it's very much, it is that. And like, I think it's awesome. Like, especially now, like during quarantine, I've been finding myself like making more and more like playlists that reflect like what I've been going through and like my musical stylings. And like, then I could always use those and like go back and like when I'm in similar situations, like, you know, they help out a lot. Like music is just awesome. Like I just love music. (laughs) Yeah. What's your, what's your genre? What's your style? Uh, so I love a lot when like genres kind of blend yeah. I am like an R&B like hip-hop type person but I also really like some alternative like rock or punk or like soft like indie pop that kind of genre mm-hmm. um, like I just made a playlist or I just revamped a playlist I made with like a couple artists that like revolve around R&B pop dance like alternate a little bit of like dreamy sounding that's usually what I say is like anything like dreamy sounding R&B electronic is like me <laughs> yes do you dance at all um not professionally <laughs> no but like just for like for yourself oh yeah all the time <laughs> yeah what about you oh I love dancing I love it I'm like nothing matters <laughs> <laughs> like I did this I had this kind of unintended initiative at the start of like quarantine where I would just like dance in front of my mirror like every morning and I'd put it on my snapchat and like everyone would love it I'd miss like one day and someone would be like why wasn't your mirror dancing snap up today you know so it's like yeah like like music and dancing like that's just how you get out the feelings I'm just or like how you express yourself and like honestly I'm like a day without music is like sad (laughs) like yeah yeah. Like, I don't know how people like survive. Yeah, I thought about one of the things that I noticed because I'd been, um, my caseload has been so minimized. Like I would spend, you know, five of my daily hours actively making music or talking about music. And now that that's like reduced to a half an hour a day, I, I had one of my, I just started an in-person session and I came out of that session and I was like, oh my God, like I feel... I have so many feelings. I, was like, I, I haven't like played music with anybody in person. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, I forgot for a second. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like I'm that person that like, I totally like, I like cry at concerts or like even at like churches when like the choir sings like in person, like live music really does something different to you. And I also, I had a part-time job like working like at live entertainment shows, like looking at concerts. And it's, like, the feeling you get from even just being at a concert or, like, seeing somebody perform live is completely different than, like, hearing something recorded. hmm Yeah, and like you said, like, sharing it with people, too, it's very, very different. Yeah, yeah, it, like, it flows through you the way mm-hmm. it's supposed to. Absolutely, yeah. So let me ask y'all something. What do you think of when you think of the word hoe or hear the word hoe? I think a lot of times we think of women. We think of a woman who's very sexual or promiscuous or has a lot of people that she sleeps with. Well, Jasmine Sullivan had something to talk about the word hoe because she just released a project called Hotels. 
And this is what she had to say when she did an interview with The Breakfast Club about a month ago. The way I was brought up and the way I was taught in, in society, what I thought was a hoe was a woman who slept with a lot of men. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm older, <laughs> I don't know if the word means the same thing to me and I don't really know how to label it. I, I've asked that question uh, to a lot of people because on my project, the reason that it's called Hotels is because it's tales. So I'm talking to like a lot of my close, my closest friends, um, family and stuff like that. And so I'm asking them questions of just about their life in general. And that question comes up and I get a lot of different answers. But for me personally, I'm still trying to figure out what I think a hoe is or whether the term is even relevant in this time. And she talks a little bit more about why she named her album Hotels. And it actually is spelled H-E-A-U-X instead of H-O-E. So this is what she said about why she named it that. I named it Hotels because I feel like for so long, the term ho has been meant to be degrading, um, especially with, when it comes to women. And I have seen, since I've you know had my break, I've seen women kind of stand in their power and kind of like just do their own thing and take up space. And I'm so inspired by that, like a woman who knows who she is, who's not ashamed of who she is or where she came from. And Jasmine even went on to talk about the different women that inspired her to develop this concept for the project. For me, before Cardi B, it was no woman that was kind of like, I'm a stripper, yeah, I, you know, I, I do this, I do that, I've done this, I've done that, and um, still been able to be successful, and people love her for that. So I, I, was, I was inspired by women like that who just stand in their power. And Cardi B is not only the only example that she mentioned. But I feel like there's been a resurgence of women like everywhere. kind, And not just like being a stripper, like even Lizzo being a, a big um, woman, just being like, this is who I am. Like women really standing in their power and not letting society dictate how they're supposed to present themselves and how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to look. People just, you know, women just really standing in this. And she really got deep into the interview as well and talked a little bit more about men versus women in the terms of being a hoe and how men for a long time have been viewed as it being socially acceptable for them to be very sexual and promiscuous, having multiple partners, whatever. But the way that we view women who are like this is very, very different. It's been socially acceptable for men to have hoe-like behavior since the beginning of time. And um, nobody blinks an eye. Like nobody cares, nobody thinks or says anything. It's been socially acceptable for y'all to act that way. But if a woman is promiscuous, promiscuous or whatever, women is just judged harshly and it's not fair. It's just not fair. We're all humans. We all trying to work through some things. We all have trauma. We all trying to figure life out. And we all deserve that chance to be able to figure it out without somebody sitting there and labeling you something or calling you something and um, you believe in it. So... Now, if you don't know Jasmine Sullivan, here's the facts that you should know about her. Jasmine Sullivan is a 33-year-old R&B recording artist from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her debut single, Bust Your Windows, was ranked by Rolling Stone as the 58th best song of 2008 out of 100. And she has received 12 Grammy nominations but has never won. And that makes her one of the artists with the most nominations with no actual win. So she releases Project Hotels in January, and she talks a lot about the importance of it being a project versus an album. And I think that stems a lot from the personal components that she really put into this project. It's built of all these different tales, like she mentioned from the interview, 
And those are actually excerpts of women that she knows personally, I would assume, who are talking about their own personal experiences in, quote, being a hoe, you might say. And this is actually her first project since 2015. So it's been a while since Jasmine actually was on the scene. And she actually mentioned a lot, too, in the interview about how she's kind of taken steps back and back into the music industry and how she still likes to live in, quote, normal life, whatever that means. And it's been kind of nice for her. Like, she seems to be enjoying it. They did this interview over Zoom for quarantine reasons, and she seemed to be really enjoying herself. She, unfortunately, is dealing with a diagnosis of cancer in her family, so that's very unfortunate. But she's been doing pretty well overall, and this project was really, really in-depth. You can tell that she really worked hard to craft the project from start to finish. I'm going to take you quickly through track by track and talk about Hotels, as she calls it. So the first track is the intro, and it's called Bodies, and it's this, like, surreal kind of morning after track that makes you question or is talking about questioning what you just did the night before. You know, she's saying, you know, get it together, you know, being ashamed of hiding your body count from your mom. And Jasmine Sullivan actually grew up in a really religious household, from what I understand. She wasn't exposed to secular music until later in her career, probably more like in her teens and 20s. And so that's kind of an interesting component to think of as she was probably crafting this music. You know, what would my mom think? You know, what would my parents think about who I slept with last night or what I did last night or, you know, what drugs did I just do? Like, it's kind of interesting. And it's something that I think a lot of us could relate to. And she mentions that also with the influence of drugs and alcohol. And, you know, anytime you go out, you start drinking, you see someone attractive across the bar. Yeah, you're going to be interested. So that's what Bodies is about. And then she starts to transition into these tales, like I mentioned. And the first one is called Antoinette's Tale. And this one talks about or features a woman speaking on men in society and women owning their sexuality and kind of saying how men can't handle it when women own their sexuality. They get intimidated. They feel like they always have to be the one in charge of the relationship and please their partner. But that's not always the case. And sometimes women like to flip the script and talk about what it is they want or what it is they need. And with each kind of tale that Jasmine puts on the album, she creates a song that backs it up. And the next song right after that is Pick Up Your Feelings, which is my favorite off the album. It's this really dope, soulful, almost like gospel sounding track, which like I mentioned, like she does have a lot of religious music experience involved. So I think that's where this really came into play. And this track is about giving a man like a taste of his own medicine when you're leaving someone kind of from what we assume on the track, who is cheating. She is talking about not leaving any pieces left, so basically telling him to take everything. like, And she means everything. Like, making sure there isn't anything left behind to remember him by, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, basically just picking up everything that you left on me and going. So that's a really cool track that I really, really like. And then we transition to Ari's Tale, which was actually performed or features a voiceover from another R&B singer, Ari Lennox, who's also killing it right now in the game, I think. And this excerpt talks about a man ruining her career or being controlling, but for a reason you might not assume. It's actually more about being so attracted to a man sexually and basically letting their, you know what, take control of your entire life. Very, very dangerous, as it seems, as Ari seems to put it. And that transitions into the song that buffers that point 
called Put It Down. And that's a really interesting track as well because this one basically talks about staying with a man or staying in a relationship that may not necessarily be the best for you. But the only reason you're staying is because the sex is good. And that was something else they actually talked about on the Breakfast Club interview as well. You know, would you essentially stay with somebody even if they didn't treat you right, but the sex was good? You know, I think a lot of times we think about pleasure and we think about affection or the terms affection versus attention. And that's kind of what Jasmine put in this song, put it down. She kind of talks about, you know, I can't stand you, but sex is good, so I'm going to stay with you. And then that even heats up a little bit more with the next song on it, which actually does feature Ari on it. And this song is incredibly sultry and explicit. It basically should go on your sex playlist if you don't already have one started. You should start one with the song already on it. And it's just, you know, it's that kind of like OG, like Marvin Gaye, like let's get it on type song. It's very moany. It's very aggressive. It's very sultry, like I said. And both Ari and Jasmine, their voices mix together so well. And they're pushing, they're literally pushing their voices to the limit. Like you hear like voice cracks, you hear them hitting notes, you hear them just skyrocketing incredible like incredible singing and if i think there's one song that probably would describe jasmine's sexual desire it probably is this one and from the interview she also talked about having a man and she seems very proud of that so who knows from there we transition to donna's tale and this voiceover entry kind of talks about women that are thinking they're not hoeing around when they actually are And she actually says, you hear it, it's kind of like taken as if this recording was taken from across the studio or across the room. And this woman is talking about, like, what do you mean? Like, you're fucking your husband to get what you want. Like, you're not fucking because you like him or because you like it or whatever. Like, you don't have an excuse. Like, so sometimes I think we're all guilty of this. Sometimes we do use sex and things, material things to get what we want. And it's okay to admit that. Like, sometimes the occasion calls for it. You know, and I think it was really cool that she put this on the album or on the project because it kind of shows the flipping the script again that there's more there's more to just being a hoe than people think it is. Like there has to be a reason sometimes for your action. And I think there's always a reason behind your actions. So I think this excerpt here really says that. And then that is supplemented with the song Price Tags, which features Anderson Pack, who's another really great recording artist. And Main takeaway from this song is all you need to know is money keeps that pussy wet. That's all you need to know. So, fellas, if you want to please your ladies, give them money. I'm totally kidding. That's not exactly what he's saying. But they're saying in this song, like I said, flipping the script, that a woman can be promiscuous and can be sexual for certain reasons if it really calls for it. And I think it was really interesting and appropriate for Jasmine to include a male's perspective on this track because then we get both sides in one sitting. And I just love hearing the juxtaposition of a man and a woman talking about something that you would assume one person would be more against or more favorable towards. And then we have Rashida's Tale, which is kind of more of a sad example of what it may or may not mean to be a hoe. And... This voiceover talks about sleeping with a fiancé's best friend and essentially how the person that always gets cheated on becomes the cheater. 
So it's really, really sad. And the girl on this one is openly admitting her mistake and how she feels horrible about hurting the person she loved and thought she was going to marry. And this is actually um, an all-female couple, so I thought that was interesting, too, that Jasmine was bringing in really the 21st century into this as well and highlighting the struggles of a same-sex couple. So that was really, really huge, and I thought that was a really cool takeaway. And the last one is the track that follows that. And this song directly plays into what Rashida was talking about with her tale. This song talks about the recklessness of sleeping with other people, asking if it's too late to make amends, but kind of saying, like, hear me out first. Like, I just want to tell you something before this is completely over. Let me just get the final word. Let me tell you everything I want to say. And I think we all can relate to that. When we feel like we mess up in life and we feel like we really hurt people, we want to tell them at least one last thing before it ends, if it does end or if we know it's going to end. We kind of want to tell them we're sorry. We want to explain why we acted that way just to give them and ourselves a peace of mind. So the lost one really goes into that. Jasmine you know, says, I know I've been nothing short of a disaster, um, saying, I hope you don't have too much fun without me. I hope you don't find somebody else to love. Like really just sad and powerful at the same time about hurting someone but also still loving that person incredibly. This song is also the most streamed off the album on Spotify. So I think this song probably has hit the most with audiences, with Jasmine's audience, in terms of just being raw and real and very relatable. And then the next tale is Precious's tale. And this one talks mainly about being attracted to a man who has his own and trying to get your own as well. You know, like I always say I'm attracted to people who are passionate, that have like a direction in life, that know what they want, you know, actively try to get what they want. And I just think that's hella sexy. And that's what this tale is talking about. Precious is talking about, you know, I see a man who has his job, has a car, like whatever, has his priorities straight. And that makes me want to be better. And I think that's the whole point of relationships. Relationships are trying to make people better together. You know, you're a team, you're working together, you're not growing into each other, you're growing together alongside each other. And that's what this interlude is saying here. And the song that follows that is called The Other Side. And this song was a little bit interesting because it doesn't directly uphold a lot of direct confidence with wanting that kind of lifestyle. It kind of talks more about wanting to quit the lifestyle that you're in where you may be struggling a bit and basically going and finding a sugar daddy or somebody who's going to provide for you, which is obviously still fitting the component of being attracted to a man or woman that is very powerful and has their own and is very passionate about things and has accomplished a whole lot. But the other side kind of talks more bluntly and saying, like, I'm just going to quit what I'm doing. I'm going to quit my day job. I'm going to move to L.A. and find someone to pay all my bills for me. Simple. And what you need to take away from this song is Jasmine sings, Hoping these titties can get me out of the city. Hope I can find a rapper to buy me a booty. You know, all these things about talking about finding someone with money and what she's going to do with it. So she kind of flips the script again, like, if anything, this whole project is kind of like a book and you're just flipping through the pages and each between each chapter is the interlude that's kind of leading you in and the song is explaining that a little bit more. So like I said, she really formatted this well to kind of fit into a very thought-out project from start to finish. The last interlude we had is Amanda's Tale, and this one is basically talking about using sex to be confident, going back to it, like kind of using it as your tool, as your weapon, and as your vice. 
but that can also be very dangerous. And the woman, Amanda, on this interlude talks about how sex is a double-edged sword. You know, it's empowering. It can make you feel great. Like, it can make you feel powerful. It can make you feel sexy. It can make you feel really confident about yourself. But it also can make you feel sad. You know, what else am I bringing to the table besides my body? What else am I bringing to the table besides something material? And she kind of talked about Instagram and social media and how you can see people, especially women, like how much pressure we put on women on social media to look and act a certain way and pitting women against each other and saying, this girl looks better than this girl or this girl has this and I really want it. You know, that's what Amanda kind of talked about with this interlude. And the track to kind of buffer that was Girl Like Me, and that featured her, who is another really incredible singer. And their voices really go well on this album together. And this is basically a track talking about, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't be a good girl. I can't, you know, be, like, working 9 to 5 doing this. Like, I give up. It's kind of feeding back to the other side, the track prior. And the song talks a little bit about wanting something different, but also the complexity of how you wanted to try something different and it didn't work out anymore. And it also talking about how you were trying to please a man and that just didn't work out. I think that's something else we kind of deal with, especially like in our early 20s and as we're still trying to figure out love and dating and loss and things like that. We're constantly trying to please people and we're our own worst critics. And I think that's essentially what the song is saying is that I was trying to please someone, but in the process, I lost myself. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to do something else. And she kind of adds a little bit of satirical fun here. And she's kind of saying, you know, this guy is making me a hoe or making a hoe out of me. And I kind of sold my soul for you. So what am I left with? You know, I'm left with nothing. I don't got anything else better to give. So that's kind of like how she finishes the track or finishes the project. And it's kind of left questioning like, well, what next? But looking back at the whole project, you have all these different components, like I said, of what it means to be a hoe and how Jasmine was trying to explain all these different components. So like I said, she used hotels as this platform for women specifically to share their points of view and to redefine the word ho, especially in the 21st century, where there's so much influencing that word and so many other components going on with that word. So I think Hotels is definitely worth your ears. I think it definitely will paint a picture of what people should be hearing with associated with the word ho. Said that I've been acting different, yeah. Funny how I finally flipped the script on ya. Yeah. When you the one who's double dipping, yeah. You so sloppy how I caught you slipping up. Uh. You're off the lease. Run me my keys. No more popping up the idiot. I ain't even got the miles to trip on ya. No phone. Who is this? Brand new. Like the whip. Rack it up. No assist. Maybe bitch, I ain't average. Wake up. Eat a zip. Tennessee. Take a sip. And that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? 
Send in your suggestions to theonrotationpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at theonrotation or Instagram at onrotationpodcast. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. All right, and now it's time to see what popped this week in news. Selena Gomez announced that her first Spanish EP, Revelación, will be released on March 12th. Gomez posted a photo of the EP's cover on her Instagram, and two songs from the project have already been released. De Una Vez debuted on the Hot Latin Songs chart, and the video for Baila Conmigo came out at the same day as its track. Gomez stated in a press release that the video, quote, portrays the sense of isolation we are all experiencing right now and how music truly connects us all. Scottish singer-songwriter and producer Sophie is dead. Her record label said in a statement January 30th, Our beautiful Sophie has passed away this morning after a terrible accident. The 34-year-old had worked for major artists such as Madonna and Charlie XCX, as well as received high praise for her own work. Other popular artists expressed their grief on Twitter. Sam Smith called Sophie a true visionary and icon of our generation, and Rina Sawayama shared a photo with the caption, What a privilege it was to share moments with you. And Halsey is pregnant. This past week, the 26-year-old exposed her baby bump in a three-part Instagram post wearing a rainbow bikini and unbuttoned jeans. While Halsey has not identified the baby's father, Billboard suspects it could be producer-screenwriter Olive Aiden. Aiden was tagged in the post and commented, Heart so full, I love you, sweetness, shortly after it was published. Halsey responded with, I love you, and I love this mini-human already. The producer also shared the announcement on his own Instagram. That's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening, and keep it real, y'all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.